starting in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In Romans 8, up to this point, we have seen Paul explain to us what it is like to find life in Christ. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sinful flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the Spirit. Summed up, those who are in Christ Jesus no longer experience God's punishment, but instead have received Christ's righteousness. One of the reasons why this chapter, Romans 8, is dubbed by many the chapter of chapters, the greatest chapter in all of scriptures, because Paul is building off each verse that is becoming more encouraging than the last one. So each verse is here to build us up even more in Christ by reminding us that we are in him than the last one. Paul is writing here a very pastoral letter to the church in Rome. And 2,000 years later, we here in Appleton, Wisconsin, are still benefiting from Paul's pastoral encouragement. <laughs> so that's why this, these three verses this morning can kind of seem a bit puzzling. Right, because we come to these three verses and we read the flesh. The flesh is death. The flesh is hostile to God because it doesn't submit to God. And because it doesn't submit to God, then what happens? We cannot please God. This doesn't seem very encouraging, does it? What Paul is about to do here. In these three verses, but then also verses 9 to 12, is talk about the two natures of man. Two identities. There's no middle ground here. There's no third way out. 
this is the truth and the reality of all of us humans, that there are only two natures that we can possibly live in. One is the flesh, and one is the spirit. There's only two natures, that's it. Look, there can be some things that overlap in our life, right? I don't know how this happens, but there are some people who like country music, which is just absolutely crazy to me. And those same people can like hip-hop music, two totally polar opposites. Some people can take chocolate ice cream and vanilla ice cream and say that both of them taste great, whereas, I mean, vanilla just tastes bland. We have companies who take sparkling water and say we'll mix grapefruit with lime. We have smoothies that are strawberry and banana. But there are things in this world that just can't go together. Oil and water. Here's a, another illustration because I'm seeing a few people wear Packers stuff a long time ago, or not a long time, but 10 years ago, maybe more. I can't remember how long ago it was when there was the big thing in Green Bay where Brett Favre wanted out. He finally came to his senses. And where did he go? He went to the Minnesota Vikings. And what started popping up? You had people who were Brett Favre fans, and you started seeing two jerseys smashed together. One half was Vikings, the other half was Green Bay. That just doesn't go together. Neither do these two natures. You cannot kind of be in the flesh and kind of be in the spirit. You are either of the flesh or of the spirit, living according to the flesh or living according to the spirit. And so here's what I'd like us to notice this morning. Because what Paul is doing here is he is right before telling them what their standing is right now, which he will tell us in verse 9, that you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. So what he is doing right now and what we will see this morning is he's almost reminding us of our previous standing. Where we once were in this life before we were in Christ. And I believe that when we come to this passage as honestly as possible, not trying to just write away the flesh or water it down, but take it for what it is, we are able to see that God has been incredibly gracious to us. So Paul, this week, is going to remind us of our previous self, and next week he's going to say, but that's not who you are, this is who you are. Because these two identities, these, these two natures, have a huge difference. A massive difference. A catastrophic big difference. This is between life and death, is what Paul says. 
So we're going to make, we're going to see Paul make the distinction between the spirit and the flesh. And we are going to see what the outcome of the two are because the two have an outcome. And so let's go ahead and look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So what, what is the flesh? What does it mean to live according to the flesh? Well, last week, if, if you remember, I quoted one of the commentaries that I'd been looking at, and this is what the flesh means. The flesh, in a very simple way, is when we employ our sin to benefit from the law of God. Or, or put this way, it's sin that employs the law of God for our own benefit. That's what the flesh is. The flesh causes us to look at God's law, whether we know it or not, the law of God is written on our hearts, and employs it for our own selfish benefit. So we look at the law of God and we ask ourselves, how do I benefit from this? I don't know if you've ever taken advantage or you've ever been taken advantage by somebody who has just said and asked themselves the question, how does this relationship benefit me? We unfortunately see this a lot in marriages, don't we? When a spouse comes to it and says, I'm not here to give myself to another person. I'm only here to receive from them. And this, in the flesh, is what we do. We employ it for our own benefit. It's looking at the law of God and using it for our selfish gain. It's taking something that Paul, in Romans 7, says is holy, righteous, and good, and saying, how can I benefit from that? But what do those who live according to the flesh do? Paul is very logical in this section. He's going to go boom, boom, boom. Those that live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. So it's like you get that text or that phone call from a friend or, or you, you get that text or phone call from a spouse and, and they say, let's go out to dinner here. And that is all that's on your mind now. I can't wait to just get there. I can't wait to get there and eat this food. At our life group a couple of weeks ago, we went around and we just shared what our favorite meals were. So just expect or think that you got a call and somebody said, your favorite meal is going to be cooked. And this was at 8 a.m. What are you thinking about the rest of the day? I can't wait to get to this meal and eat it. I'm going to devour it. This is what it means to set the mind on the flesh. To live according to the flesh is to set the mind on the things of the flesh. So not only do we employ the law for our own benefit, but then we think about how we can employ it for our benefit. So we live according to the flesh because... We set our mind on the things of the flesh. 
Paul tells us more about this in Galatians 6. For the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption. The one who thinks about his flesh will reap corruption. But this isn't a simple, I think, therefore I am. Because some people then would say, well, all you need to do is just have positive thoughts. Just have positive thoughts and all of the bad things will go away. Or you can speak those things then into existence as if you are your own little God here on earth. This isn't a a think, therefore I am. This is a, I am blind. I don't even realize that I am doing the very thing that I shouldn't be doing because my heart is so hard and my eyes are blind that I don't see that I am sowing the flesh and reaping corruption. And we don't see it because we actually delight in it. And so Paul starts off with telling us those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But then he goes on to say that here's the second nature. That was the first. The flesh is the first nature. The second nature is of the Spirit. For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So if to set the mind on the flesh is to employ the law for our own benefit, then what does it mean to set our mind on the Spirit and to live according to the Spirit? It's not to employ the law for our own benefit anymore. It's to worship God. Our affections are now stirred to obey God. Not out of some sort of fundamental duty. You know, like the duties that we have at home. We put head into bed. And he always asks us, and I can't wait for the day where we can finally get him. What are you doing? After the 15th time he's called us into his room to tell us that he needs an ice pack or water or sometimes it's 20. I'm not over-exaggerating. We are doing our chores, buddy. We've got to get Ezekiel's milk ready. We have to do the dishes. We have to tidy up and clean up. We, we make the coffee and set the timer. We make our teas. We do those chores out of duty. <laughs> because when the day comes where I can tell Haddon, hey, you can go ahead and do the dishes before you go to bed, you better believe it. I'm going to strongly encourage him to do that. But to live according to the Spirit and to set the mind on the things of the Spirit is actually now a delight. So it's that we don't, in a fundamental, legalistic way, walk according to the law of God. Instead, we delight to live according to the law of God. Why? Because we know that makes God happy. And so we live according to the Spirit. So Paul here is is comparing and contrasting. You have the flesh and you have the Spirit. But Paul is saying that your identity is either 
the flesh or the spirit. No in-between, no sewn-together jersey. You're either totally sold out to the flesh or you're totally sold out to the spirit. And through this, there are a couple of fundamental realities that take place. Verse 6 tells us what that is. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Notice here how Paul doesn't say to set the mind on the flesh will lead you to death. He says to set the mind on the flesh is death. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And if what the flesh is is sin that employs the law for our own benefit, then we must realize that the wages of sin is death. We aren't talking about physical death here. We're talking about spiritual death from God. So when God looks at us in our flesh, He looks at something dead. This is because of the outcome of what happened back in the garden. When He told Adam and Eve, do not take and eat of the fruit of the tree. You shall surely die. And so this is why to live in the flesh, to set the mind on the flesh, is to be dead in sin. Not half alive. Not three quarters alive. Fully dead. But then Paul goes on to tell us that on the other hand, to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I don't know about you. I just want life and peace. Life and peace. Isn't this what this world longs for? I know we have a few ex-hippies in here. Wasn't that a part of the hippie movement? Isn't that a part of... <laughs> got a peace sign. Wasn't that a part of... Isn't that a part of our movement right now, though, too? Right now, what's happening, our people are longing for peace, just like how, I won't say how many X amount of years ago, it was peace love. The same thing's happening now. Peace and love. That's what we want. And what Paul is saying, this is found, but it's not found in the flesh. It's found in the Spirit. Paul just got done telling us that the law of the Spirit of life sets us free in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the word of life. Jesus tells us, I came to leave you peace. 
the life and peace that we long for here on earth will not and cannot be found in organizations, in meditations. It cannot be found in narcotics. It won't be found in going to parties. It won't be found in the amount of life experiences that you might be able to have when you retire. Paul is telling us to set the mind on the Spirit is life in Christ and peace with God. Deep in the core and recesses of our heart, what we long for is life in Christ and peace with God. We long for reconciliation with God. That's what you and I long for. But I know some will argue that God doesn't actually bring life and peace. He's actually caused quite a bit of dissension and quite a bit of harm here on this earth. You know, the Christian faith is just a bunch of rules. It just makes you a stick in the mud and not fun. It makes you a judgmental jerk. Maybe if you weren't so behind on the times, then I could get behind this whole Jesus thing because Jesus was kind of a nice guy, but we need to get things caught up with the times. But this couldn't be further from the truth. If the flesh will bring you death, then how could the Spirit bring you anything other than life? We've all tried living in the flesh. In fact, we were all born in sin. We were all born in the flesh. We all, at some point, whether God saved us when we were three or 33, lived according to the flesh and set our minds on the things of the flesh. And time and again, what has the flesh taught us? That it doesn't bring life. When you wake up hungover, do you feel very lively? Probably not. Probably a pounding headache. What about when you look at pornography? Do you feel very lively? Probably not. There's probably guilt and shame. What about when you take another hit or take another pill? When you come down off of that high, do you feel very lively? probably feel a little bit slower. And so what Paul is telling us is that Christ has come to free us from the flesh, free us from addiction, that the Spirit has come to set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And that the Spirit, what He does is He brings life and peace. 
this is what Christ has come to leave, right? Life and peace. Peace I leave with you, he says. And he did this by taking our condemnation. We were rebels, as we will see here in a little bit. Hostile to God is what the next verse says. Enemies of God. And yet, what Christ does for us is He comes and He is punished in our place. So for every sin, every indulgement of the flesh, Every time we set our mind on the flesh and lived according to it, He came and He died in our place. This is what we all were like, living in the flesh. I just had this conversation with Haddon. Yes, I talked to my three-year-old about the flesh and the spirit. <laughs> you have kids, no matter what their age are, you should do the same. As Haddon is throwing a tantrum because he doesn't want to go down for his nap time, I'm starting to kind of feel my patience bubble to the surface. I just want some quiet time to finish this message. And all he can continue to say is, I want to watch TV. No, I want you to take a nap. Now, I want to watch TV. Turn on the Polar Express. And so I started talking to him about the flesh and how the flesh wants us to look at something like TV and make us think that that's what's going to bring satisfaction and comfort. And then I confessed to him, buddy, When I don't get my cup of coffee in the morning, I do the same thing that you're doing right now, but I'm just better at hiding it. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. There are only two natures. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the Spirit. The flesh brings death, but the Spirit brings life and peace. And this is so important. And this is such great news for us. And that's because what Paul is about to say next is a harsh reality and a harsh truth. Is Paul goes on to tell us, verse 7 and 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. So the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It's not friendly with God. So those who walk according to the flesh and set their mind on the flesh walk as unfriendly as possible towards God. This is as if you're crossing somebody in the grocery store or, or you see somebody that you have beef with across the restaurant. You notice somebody at the bar that you just have a bad taste with. You, you, you just aren't friends with them. And you know that if you get too close, then words are probably going to be exchanged. This is us with God in the flesh, is that we are hostile to God. In the flesh, we as human beings are so unfriendly with God that we take 
what he meant for holy, righteous, and good and use it against him. That's what the flesh does. It causes us to be hostile with God. We were once hostile to God. We were the rebels and the enemies of God living in our flesh, setting our minds on the things of the flesh. That was you and I. And why is that? Because we were unable to submit to the law. So we take the law, which is holy, righteous, and good, and we employ it for our benefit. Because we are hostile to God, because we do not submit to God's law, Paul then reminds us, those who set their minds on the flesh cannot please God. Let me help us see it like this. Let's work our way from bottom up. And I hope that this is as helpful for you as it was for me. So we cannot please God and we ask the question, why? Well, we cannot please God because we don't submit to the law of God. And why do we not submit to the law of God? It's because we are hostile and unfriendly toward God. And why are we unfriendly toward God? Because we set our mind on the flesh. And why do we set our mind on the flesh? Because we live according to the flesh. And this is the cruel and wicked cycle that we live in. We just do it on repeat outside of Christ. We don't please God because we don't submit to his law, because we're hostile to God, because we set our mind on the flesh, because we live according to the flesh, and we repeat it. And this is what we see in the world. And this is exactly what we were once like. Theologians would call this the total depravity of man. The total sinfulness of man. So here's my question for you this morning. If you're in the flesh, meaning this, if you are hostile to God, and look, you can come to church and be hostile to God. You can pray and be hostile to God. You can read your Bible and still be hostile to God. So this is the question that I'd like to just ask this morning for you. Is how is it working out living in the flesh? Sure, it might be enjoyable for a time. But there's always the crash and burn. Because sin never owes up to its promises. Sin never satisfies. It doesn't. And you might be trying to ignore the flesh and gloss over it, 
and say, well, I mean, I'm kind of a good person, though. I do a pretty good job of listening to my parents. I don't really get in that much trouble at school. I'm friendly with people. Even the ones that I don't like, I tolerate them. Living in the flesh is still hostility with God. And so please, this morning, don't ignore what's going on in your heart. You see, you were created to worship God. You were created to worship God and not live in bondage to sin and addiction. God created you, yes, you to be a caretaker of this world and its people. He created you to love Him and love His creation. To love other people. So if you are in the flesh this morning, if you are dead in your sin and trespasses, let me just say this to you, that God loved you so incredibly much. While yet you were still a sinner, still an enemy, still a rebel, that he sent his son to die for you. And I believe this is the good news that Paul is trying to remember, uh, re remind us who are in Christ Jesus as well. Is that is your former self. That's your old nature. That's your old self. You were once those people who were living in the flesh, setting your mind on the things of the flesh. That was once you taking and manipulating people for your own advantage. Look, this might sound a bit harsh, <laughs> but we all once were pretty scummy people, no matter how good it seemed like we were. But what Paul is reminding us is this is who your former self was. So set your mind on the things of the Spirit because the Spirit brings life. And so this passage may seem like it's a little bit out of place, but it should and it can encourage us immensely. And it encourages us immensely because it talks specifically about the flesh, death and hostility to God and not pleasing Him. And how is this immensely encouraging? It's immensely encouraging because that's who our former selves once were. And Christ's grace, God's grace, was big enough to forgive us of that. Being in the flesh and enemies of God. And so it encourages us in two ways. It encourages us and reminds us that we are in the Spirit. So live according to the Spirit. And set your mind on life and peace. And it also encourages us by reminding us that we have gotten to experience God's great and rich and big grace. So living according to the Spirit is something that stirs your mind to life and peace, whereas living in the flesh brings death and hostility toward God. So brothers and sisters, at the end of all of this, <laughs> what Paul is saying 
be assured of your standing in Christ. If the spirit of life has set you free in Christ, then you're his. And say those fleshly tendencies come up, be assured that the spirit will work, bring conviction, cause a desire to repent and turn back to him. This is a passage of assurance that tells us that your identity is no longer in the flesh, but it's in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We come to you knowing that we have an advocate for us, Christ Jesus a great high priest who is interceding on our behalf right now. And when Satan tempts us to look within and be discouraged and cause us to feel the overwhelming sense of condemnation and punishment, a desire of unworthiness in your sight, we are able to look up and see Christ standing there interceding for our behalf. And so we praise your name. God, you are worthy of everything we've got. We were once enemies and rebels, Father, and yet you so kindly sent your own Son to be condemned in the flesh for us so that we would no longer have condemnation because of our standing in Christ Jesus. We come before you and say it could never be any work that we could accomplish. It was all your son, Jesus. And for that, we say, Amen.